Have you ever asked God to grow you? To give you larger opportunity? Maybe a greater reach to share Jesus with others? Possibly for a newer or deeper experience or understanding of him in your life. Have you ever prayed for that? Have you ever asked for that? Maybe you haven't asked it for yourself. Maybe you have. But have you prayed it for this church, for Thurston Christian Church? Have you asked that he would grow Thurston Christian Church, that he would give it opportunity, that he would help it share Jesus with others, that those here would have a newer and deeper understanding of him? Have you prayed that? In asking, how did you envision that God would bring about that growth, the expansion, the new things, the enlargement of the church, the enlargement of your life, the enlargement of opportunity? How did you see that that would come about? Did you picture that it would come with ease? Simplicity? A flat, smooth path? No difficulty for you and your journey or, or this church and its journey? I know this church went through a year and a half process of trying to find a new lead pastor. Surprise, he's here, that's me. (laughs) But I also know that there's a history in this church of difficulty and hardship, pressures, pains, things that have gone on. I don't know a lot, I don't need to know a lot because it's, it's the nature of the human existence that happens. The question is, though, when you started experiencing some of these difficulties and these hardships, were you disenchanted when more difficulties seemed to come? Lord, grow me, difficulty. Lord, make me, difficulty, hardship. The trials increased, and the problems seemed to multiply. Resistance seemed around every single corner, and the pressure reached levels beyond your ability to bear. I can't take one more thing, Lord. Not one more thing. I can't do it. How did you respond to all of this? Did you seek a way around the pressure? Sort of the, you know, bypass highway? Can I just, can I skip that, Lord? Did you think there was something wrong with you? That you deserved all the calamity you were experiencing? Maybe you said, oh, I'm just sinning. I deserve this. Did you back away from God? Frustrated that he didn't seem to be operating the way that you thought he should. Oh, this is how it is? I think I'm going to take a step back. (laughs) I don't really want to grow. No, we're not going to do that. I'm good. I'm going to back up. What if all this this pressure you were experiencing, what if it was actually God's way to answer your prayers for expansion, for enlargement, for growth? What if that was actually the answer to the prayer? Well, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, the start of the chapter. And up to this point in Acts, there have been mentions that the early church has been devoted to prayer. And I think it would be safe to assume that some of the prayer was that the message of Jesus would go out and for there there to be more added to their group. 
Well, in the beginning of Acts chapter 8, it shows that this prayer is being answered. And I don't think it's any of the, a way that any of us would be like, hey, Lord, grow the church, and would you please do it through persecution? That'd be great. Like, make us run in fear for our lives, please. That would be wonderful. I, amen, right? It's not the way that we think. Through the, it starts in the end of chapter 7, through the martyrdom of Stephen and the following persecution by Saul. The church is put under great pressure, which leads it to enlargement because it is scattered. And so our one big idea for this morning is that God purposes, God purposes that pressure should lead to enlargement. Hardship, difficulty should come in and it should bring about growth and expansion. God purposes that pressure should lead to enlargement. So before we get to the verses we're going to look at today, before we dive into them, preceding is these verses of this idea that Stephen is arrested and his, he is put to death. The church, before all that happened though, before Stephen's arrest and being put to death, the church is sort of settling down. They're sort of getting into a groove. They're putting people and things in place to run more efficiently. Nothing wrong with that. But see, the church seemed content to remain centered and established in Jerusalem. You don't find them making plans to move out, really. But then Stephen has his run-in with the Sanhedrin. They become furious and they stone him to death. While witnesses lay their coats at some guy named Saul at his feet. Like, here's my coat. I'm going to go grab a rock and kill this guy. That's just a weird coat check experience. I don't know. <laughs> like, here's your ticket. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Sorry. That's just my weird. Anyway. But the conclusion of the scene occurs at the beginning of Acts chapter 8. Picking up Acts chapter 8, it says, And Saul approved of his Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So we learn right off the bat that Saul didn't just operate a coat check, but he actually approved of the killing of Stephen. He gave an affirmation saying, yep, I'm glad that guy's out, gone. You get my thumbs up. But who is this Saul? And, and most of you probably know, but some of you may not, so we'll just clarify that really quick. Saul was the apostle Paul. He became the apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, if you know, pinned a large portion of the New Testament books and spread the gospel far and wide. Luke, the author of Acts, is a good friend of Paul's and they ministered and traveled together. And Luke probably wrote this when they were together and he pulls no punches in describing Paul's previous life. How would you like, hey buddy, I'm going I'm to write a little story about you. 
And here, let me write the fact that you were the guy who was murderously going after everybody and you approved of the killing of Stephen. Is that okay? <laughs> this is Luke, right? Like, hey, Paul, we're good friends, right? Are you okay if I put this down? Like, let, let's go. But what's even more fascinating in this record is that God is using Saul before he's even converted and becomes Paul. The opposition and persecution that Saul began, God uses to move his people, the church, out, pressing them away from Jerusalem. In this way, God moved his people out through pressure to spread the message and enlarge his church. God also gets one over on the Sanhedrin too. I like this. They thought that by killing Stephen, they would silence his movement. They would stop the message. But what they didn't realize was they were setting in motion the events that would wake up Paul. Uh Uh-oh. See, Paul in his attempts to destroy the church, he goes, he's on on the road to Damascus and he's gonna take the church out there. And in that trip to Damascus, He runs into Jesus, and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it wasn't recorded, but Paul said, oops. (laughs) See, Paul loved God, but he didn't think Jesus was the son of God. But he has this confrontation with Jesus, and he goes, oops. Uh Uh-oh. I was wrong. And so that interaction with Jesus, that face-to-face interaction with Jesus changed the trajectory of Paul's life. It changed the trajectory of his life. And the Sanhedrin, you know, you think they'd hinder the church, but they didn't. They actually furthered it because of what they had done. But they got a small victory in killing Stephen, right? Nope. They didn't even get that because there were godly men who buried Stephen. And they did it with loud lament and mourning like we saw last week with Lazarus, beating of the chest, weeping, crying, oh, Stephen. And see, what you miss is that loud mourning wasn't done for people who were convicted by the Sanhedrin because they were criminals. But these people mourned loudly because Stephen wasn't a criminal. He was falsely charged and he was falsely killed. It was unjust. And so it was a statement that they were weeping for him. They were saying, this man was unjustly murdered. So persecution breaks out against the church. And Luke tells us that all except the apostles scattered. Now, I don't, there's not any clarity as to why the apostles didn't leave. Maybe as the leaders, they felt their responsibility to stay and to, to hold the fort, so to speak. There's an old hymn, hold the fort for I am coming. Anybody? Anybody? Um, that was one that I loved as a kid because it just sounded really cool. Um, so he, they, maybe they feel they need to hold position as the leaders. They need to set the example. But you know what? They've also been through persecution before when Jesus was crucified. They're like, oh, we've been through this before. We've seen this. I think we can ride this one out. We're good. But again, there's not real clarity on why. But what's important and why it is important that they didn't leave is because those who were scattered were ordinary believers, like all of you, you online, and me, 
ordinary believers who were scattered, who were sent out. And what's interesting is that the word that Luke uses to describe scattering means to disperse, to sow, to scatter like seed. When you scatter seed, you kind of just throw it out, right? That's the word that Luke uses to describe this scattering. So persecution, pressure, did for the church what the wind does for seed. It was used of God to scatter the seed, the people of his church, to plant them in new soil for there to be more crops and more seed and new believers added to the church. Enlargement. It was the ordinary believers that were scattered. But see, and you guys learned about this Bruce preached about this. This was after Pentecost. This was after the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and he indwelled the apostles, but he also indwelled everybody else. And these people were sent out with the Holy Spirit on board. I always like to call us the Winnebago's for God. We're the motorhomes for God. They were all a motorhome with the Spirit on board going out for a trip. It was an unplanned trip, but it was a trip nonetheless. And so these people were indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And being sent out away from the apostles meant they would not be able to, they would have to fully depend upon the Holy Spirit and couldn't just run and go like, hey, Peter, hey, John, what do we do here? They had to go, Holy Spirit, we don't have those guys. What do we do? They had to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to them and to lead them, and to guide them. So they were scattered, and they preached the word everywhere they went. And people were hearing the message of Jesus, and people were giving their life to him, to Jesus. And so this means that these believers were not sent out as refugees. They were sent out as missionaries. Oh, I feel sorry for you. You were sent out as a refugee. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was pushed out for a mission for something bigger than myself. I was enlarged. I was given greater opportunity. I was grown. So the ordinary believers are scattered, and they are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and they are pushed out and go as missionaries. And this wouldn't have happened had they not been pushed out. And they wouldn't have discovered their giftings had they not, had they stayed in Jerusalem and left it up to the apostles to deal with it. If they'd have just stayed there, they might have missed what God had for them. But because they were pressed and because they were pushed, it caused them to put roots into Christ. So God purposes that pressure should lead to enlargement. That obstacles, that oppositions, that trials, that problems, that, that whatever, that those things should lead to expansion, growth, deepening, multiplication.
And I'm sorry to say, but this is not a new concept just found in Acts 8 where you can go, oh, well, we can just remove that part of Scripture and we're good. Acts isn't really a book of theology. It's more story. We should just take that out. No, this is, you're going to find this all throughout Scripture. And one of the things you're going to find with me, I know our primary version here is, is ESV, but sometimes I tend to pull some other translations in because it makes you hear a verse in a different way. You're going to get a load of that next week. A load. <laughs> so I'm prepping you a little bit in advance. We're going to pull out the Darby translation on this next verse. Psalm 4.1. When I call, answer me, O God. When I call, answer me, O God of my righteousness. In pressure thou hast enlarged me. Be gracious unto me and hear my prayer. In pressure thou hast enlarged me. What do we learn from the psalmist here? We learn, and he shares with us, that God's purpose is that pressure, obstacles, oppositions should not continue endlessly. But that, they, that, that nothing should come. You should just constantly suffer and suffer and suffer. That there, no, there's something that should come from that. He shares that pressure should not be an end, but a means. If we join God in it, it is a pathway to enlargement, to growth, and to expansion. That's Psalm 4.1. How about Jesus? John 12, 23 to 25. Jesus, and this is from the NIV. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it to eternal life. So Jesus' prediction of his death is this principle of pressure to enlargement for himself, and then he expands it to others. For himself, he likens his journey to the cross as a pressure and a death that he will face, like a seed falling into the ground and dying. Now, if he doesn't join his father in this, there won't be enlargement. He, there won't be multiplication. He will remain a single seed alone. I mean, I know a lot of you do gardening here. There may even be farmers in the room. I don't know. But that seed has to go in the ground so that it can grow and produce a new plant that has multiple more seeds on it. Right? So if Jesus joins his father and walks with him through pressure, then other seeds will be produced. There will be growth, multiplication. There will be enlargement. But then he also makes that weird statement about anyone who loves their life. Well, that means that any, anyone who's not willing to walk with Jesus through the pressure, being willing to lay down their life, willing to gamble it, to walk through the difficulties with him. That person that's not willing to do that they won't experience what God has for them. They won't experience expansion, growth, or enlargement. 
But the person who hates their life, who's willing to gamble it, if they walk through the pressure with Jesus, what they'll experience is they will experience a life eternal, an expansion of finite life to an eternal life. An eternal life isn't some quantity of thing. Eternal life is a who. Jesus is eternal life. And so through pressure, their finite life will be expanded to an eternal life because it is a life that is walked with Jesus through pressure. All right, so we've done Psalms, we've done sort of Old Testament, the period of Jesus. Now let's go to Paul. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 9, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So the guy that wrote these words is the same guy we read in chapter, in chapter 8 of Acts. He's the persecutor of the church. Things have changed for him. And what we see here is he wants the Corinthians to not be unaware of the great pressure that he experienced and him and his tribe experienced while they were out doing missionary work. And it was pressure that he says, it was beyond us to bear It's okay to admit, I can't hold this weight. I can't do it. I can't maintain this. It's too much for me. God has a purpose in that. It's supposed to be too much for you. Why? Why does Paul say that it's too much? Well, I mean, let me add on to that. It was too much, so much, he wished he could die. Ever been there? Gosh, Lord, it just, take me out. I can't handle one more thing. But see, what Paul discovered was in walking with Jesus, they discovered the pathway from pressure to enlargement. The pressure happened so they would not rely on themselves, but on Steve, Bob, Susie. Who were they to rely on? Anyone? God. They were to rely on God. God who what? Raises the dead. Not in the future. He'll do that. But when you're in the moment of pressure and difficulty and it's on, do you need to go, oh, someday by and the sweet by and by I'll be resurrected? Is that what you need? When you are under it, do you need to go, oh, someday when Jesus comes back I'll get raised? Is that what you need? You need resurrection life in that moment, at that time, right when you're under it. You need a life that shows up full of power and strength, able to walk you through it. Sorry, I'm getting a little passion. I'm spitting everywhere. Sorry about that. You don't need resurrection life in the future. You need it in the very moment. You need resurrection life and power showing up, an enlarged life, an enlarged power that was not your own, not Paul's own, but is the very life of God showing up in whatever you're dealing with. 
So let's bring this forward to today, friends. Are you experiencing pressure? Challenges, disruptions, transitions, troubles? Anyone? Maybe you're in a season of, of uh, good, and that's okay. Don't feel guilty. Tuck this one away for later, because everyone is either coming in a one, in the middle of one, or going out of one, like I said last week. Are you experiencing challenges, disruptions, transitions, troubles? How about this church? Has or is it experiencing transitions, troubles, disruptions, hardships, difficulties? Is it possible that you or we've been misinterpreting these difficulties? I mean, yes, there is a difficulty that comes from sin, okay? Sin is usually an outright rebellion or a a fighting or a resistance against God. And if that's what's going on, then that needs to be repented of and you need to turn and go another direction. That's how that's dealt with. That hardship's there to reveal you failed, you sinned, or you messed up. That's not who you are. That's not what you're supposed to be. That's not how you're supposed to live. Turn and go a different direction. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is that these difficulties and these hardships, the people in the story that we're talking about, they weren't sinning. The the psalmist, the church in Acts, Jesus and Paul were not sinning when they were experiencing pressure. The pressure was there to grow them, to lead them, to expand them, to create enlargement. That's why the pressure was there for them. Listen to James 1, 2 through 4 from the message. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. James encourages us to receive these tests as challenges, the tests and challenges as a gift. That's hard to do. (laughs) That is hard to do. What's our tendency? The stuff comes and we're like, let's go. Like, no, we don't go, okay, (laughs) come on. But he says, receive the test and the challenges as a gift and that if we do, the pressure will bring out our spiritual life. What's our spiritual life? It's our relationship with God. It will grow us. It will enlarge us because it will tap us in to that eternal, full, large life beyond the life we could ever imagine. This means we do have a choice, though. The the choice is the pressures and the difficulties. They can push us from God. I don't want to go there, God. I've had too many, I've seen people in my life. Mike, I'll go, I'll go everywhere, but I won't go there. 
And so they push, we push, we push away from God. And if we push away from God, you know what we push away from? We push away from the source of life. And if we push away from the source of life, you know what happens? Our experience will become one of smallness, restraint, limitation, and death. You may be saved, you may be going to heaven, but if you don't enter God in this journey, you know what your experience will be? One that's like death, small, restrained. But the other option we can do is we can let pressure and difficulties sink us further into God. Let them sink us further into God. And as we do, we will discover this little hidden pathway, this pathway to enlargement, to expansion, to growth, and to life. A life that is full. What did Jesus promise? I've come that you may have life just kind of little itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. Sorry. No, it's a life to the full, overflowing, pouring out, spilling onto others around. I can't, I don't need, I don't have enough buckets to hold all of it kind of life. Now, Mike, are you saying it's wrong to ask for hardships to be removed? (laughs) No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong for us to ask for hardships to be removed, but James shares, don't try to get out of it too quickly. Don't try to escape the difficulty prematurely because it's better to let it do its work. And if we let it do its work, we let it do it so that it may do what? Mature us and well develop us. And if we're mature and well-developed, we're not deficient in anything. So this stuff comes in so that this other stuff can come out. And the other stuff is the life of God inside. And so a good way to pray then is is this way. God, I'd ask you to remove these obstacles, these hardships, these difficulties. But, but, not if they're here for my growth and development. That's a serious prayer, isn't it? That's doing business with God. I'd ask that you remove these, but if if you put these here and allow them, because everything that comes through you, do you know that it comes through Father God, through Jesus, finds you full of Jesus? It doesn't just like bypass all of that. It has to come through and they've allowed it to come to you because they've allowed it for your growth. And if it's here for growth, don't remove it. If it's a a spiritual attack or whatever, then they'll remove it. But if it's there for your betterment, why remove it? So God, I'd ask that you remove this obstacle, but not if it's here for my growth and development. If it's here for that reason, I choose to accept it.
receive it open-handedly. Although, I do not like it. I receive it, although I do not like it. It's okay to not like it. Hey, I, I think I've already said this before. I got spankings as a kid. I didn't like them, but there was good work in those spankings. I deserved what I got. I was a young boy once, and boys get in trouble. <laughs> so do girls. So God, I'd ask that you remove these obstacles, but not if they're here for my growth and development. If that's why they're here, I choose to accept them. Although I may not like them, I choose to accept them so that I may be grown through them and become fully what you desire me to be. God has a plan for your life. He has things that he wants to accomplish in you, but sometimes he has to take you through hardship in dark places and pain and hurt to bring you to the other side. And there are times in my life, I shared it in my email this week if you read it, even in the last five years, I tell you, I don't want to go back through that again. But I wouldn't trade it for the world because of what he's done in me. It's a big impetus why I'm here. Did I like it? A lot of times, no, and Jill can testify because she got to hear me gripe about it sometimes and then I'd be like, okay, I shouldn't be griping about this. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where faith becomes real. This is where our walk with Jesus makes a difference. And again, I'm not telling you to like it but I'm telling you to be willing to receive it so that God can grow you and mature you and expand you. And the same for this church. We're gonna have hard times here, people. We've had hard times, right? Amen, anybody? But they're there so that God can do a growing work, a maturing work in all of us. So this is a prayer that acknowledges that the pressure in our life, in our church's life, may be God's way of moving us, of transforming us, of pressing us into new experiencing and understanding of his truth. This is true for jobs. This is true for marriages. This is true for friendships. This is true for relationships with kids. This is true for driving down the highway. (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff this is true for. Lord, why is this here? Why is this here? And I can't seem to get rid of it. Well, he's keeping allowing it happen because he's like, son, daughter, you need to be grown and we need to keep revisiting this so that you can be grown. And you know that person in your life that irritates you? God might not remove them until he's done doing a work in you. There's an old preacher, Jack Taylor. He'd say, God's fixed to fix to fix you. And if you fix the fix, he's fixed to fix you. He's going to fix another fix to fix you. And so these things are there. He's more interested in your fix than your comfort. So it acknowledges the pressure in our life, in our church's life, so that God may, be, may move us, may transform us, may press us into a new experiencing and understanding of his truth 
And it's his way of equipping us for bigger things he'd like to do. But it also may be an opportunity for us to put into practice new understanding and equipping that he's already placed into our life. Those are those times you're like, I already went through this and I feel like God set me free. Why am I going again? And he's like, so that you can bring that new approach online, that dependence on me, and we can walk it out together in victory rather than a, I don't like going around that block again, but then you go, okay, I'm able to see it. So this is big. This is big. And I'm sure you're going to walk in. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get up this morning and, and I've heard it before. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, you've got verbiage now to go, this thing here in my life is pressure. And God's put it here because he wants to enlarge me. Now I can engage with God in a way that I have not been able to engage. And now he can start to move and work because I can join him. I'm not fighting him anymore. Let's get on with it. I'm tired of going around this bush. Let's get on with it. So what better way to close this particular time in prayer than in this way? And so I'm going to pray for us. Will you pray with me? Father God, you are so good to us. And you're even good to us in the obstacles and the hardships. And so, Father, if there are people in this congregation today that are experiencing obstacles that have to do with sin, Father, I pray that they would immediately repent and turn from those things and run into your arms. With that aside, Father, if there are those that are experiencing obstacles that are there because there are pressures that exist for growth, then we ask that they would not try to get out of them. That we would receive these difficulties, Father, as your work in our lives. That we would see it as the opportunity to grow and to be matured in you. And Father, that it would be understood it's okay that we don't like it. But that we will, as Jesus did, endure something for what's better on the other side. And so, Father, I don't know where each and every person is here today, but I pray that this would give them a completely new framework in the way that they interact and deal with you with the hardships that exist in their life right now. And that the two of you would begin to be able to do business together. And I ask the same for this church as well. That as we bump up against things, as we're stretched, as we're pushed that we w- it would be something that would push us deeper into you, not away from you. And that you would work mighty things through each individual here and through this church in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.